Welcome back to Allocation Disorder. I am Sam Stasekul, joined as always by Paul Tenorio. And Paul, we have another, it's our second consecutive healthy dose of Orlando, Florida show planned for planned for everybody tonight. Um, I know you have a soft spot in your heart for the city beautiful, I believe that's its nickname, Central Florida's finest metropolis. Um, so how excited are you to talk more about Orlando this week? Yeah, you know, I made myself a nice ravenous pig old-fashioned, and I'm ready to roll. I feel like I'm back in O-Town. O-Town, man, the home of all the best late 90s boy bands, um, you know, including O-Town, of course. Anyway, I digress. Uh, there's been more news since we last spoke on the show. Um, you and I and a couple of our colleagues, Jeff Reuter and Pablo Moore, broke a story today just kind of outlining a few more of the details about the proposed Orlando tournament um, that MLS is talking about returning to play with. Um, so, quick rundown. Uh, there would be four groups, three groups of six teams, one group of eight teams. Um, those four groups would be helmed essentially by Orlando, Seattle, LAFC, and then Atlanta or Toronto. Um, that's per Jeff's latest reporting. Um, Atlanta and Toronto, would, one of them would be in their own group. One of them would be in Orlando's group as kind of that second seed um, in that larger, I believe, group of eight teams. Um, that would be all Eastern Conference teams. Nashville SC would be bumped to the East for the purposes of this tournament. And then the other two six-team contingents would be, uh, those groups would be all Western Conference teams. And then one group of six would be Eastern Conference teams. Top two teams from each group would advance to an eight-team knockout round from which there would be some sort of winner. Every team would play five group games. Those would count towards the regular season. The idea is that the teams would leave Orlando after the two months or so are up, uh, return to their home markets, and resume the regular season, uh, where they would play only conference opponents, um, and then go into the playoffs, which would be pretty seriously expanded to nine teams from each conference, uh, giving 18 of 26 total teams playoff berths. Um, and we'll get more into the reasoning for that later, but that's kind of the outline of the competition. There's a lot more that goes into this and we'll get to that, but Paul, let's, let's get your thoughts on, on kind of the competition aspect and, and what, what to make of all of that from your end. I think my favorite part early on is that Orlando city is one of the four seeded teams just because the competition is in Orlando. Like, it's funny that they picked the four semifinalists from the Eastern <laughs> and Western conference finals, but they were like, nah, 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 let's not give it to the teams that did best. Let's also put Orlando city in there because this, this yeah. is being held in Orlando. It's not at their home stadium, not in front of their home fans, not, not exclusive games facility. in Orlando, but it's, it's, and it's actually not even in Orlando. Right, the Wild World of Sports is is not in Orlando. Where is is that in? Is that in like Celebration, Florida? Is that a town? Did I make that yeah, up? Yeah, I think it's in like Lake Buena Vista or something like that. I think that yeah, would be. That sounds right. It's near Disney World. Yeah. So, anyways, that, that cracks me up a little bit. But I think the idea of the competition is an interesting one. Um, I I think the the weirdest part of this competition is that. The first five games are going to be part of the regular season, but they don't know yet what the knockout games are going to mean. You know, when, when you, we talk to sources today, all across the board, they're saying 
we don't know yet. We haven't been told yet. We've heard so many different things that they want that they that they've discussed. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't sound like they're going to be part of the regular season, which actually to me makes sense because only eight teams are going to advance to the. I mean, I get that part. So of it, but it's interesting have, that they don't. How are you going to have teams play on even amount of games? Yeah, it's interesting that they don't have like the they haven't sorted what it's worth yet though. Like what. You know, right. you're trying to present to players why it's worth it to go, and you can't even tell them what they're playing for. Yeah. Well, presumably they'll get there. And that's a huge part of this story that we also wrote about in our piece today, is where the things stand with the players. So let's take a little bit of a step back. For those of you that didn't listen last week or haven't been reading or you know haven't been paying attention, um, first of all, I think I'm speaking for both of us when I say this, shame on you. But um, second of all, we'll get you caught up real quick. So the league is talking about going down to Orlando and housing everyone, uh, all the players, all the staffs, all the coaches, et cetera, at the Coronado Springs Resort, um, which is a Disney property outside of Orlando. Everyone will be quarantined for the first week. They'll go into small group training, individual training, full team training. And then about a month after they arrive, they'll begin playing games hopefully in the league's eyes on June 3rd or July 3rd, excuse me. At that point, they'll get into that competition that we just discussed. The players have to sign off on this in order for it to become a thing. Um, Right now, they're not really that close to doing so. Uh, You know, I was talking to a few people earlier today, and I know, Paul, that you spoke to a few people that sort of reiterated this, but, you know, the players sent a hundred questions to the league over the weekend, um, you know, things from health and safety concerns to how their food is going to be prepared and how their families are going to be taken care of back home when they have to leave and go to Orlando and be quarantined essentially for two months for the duration of this tournament, uh, a bunch of different things. Um, and they haven't gotten any answers yet from the league. So they don't really know what the protocols are going to be for testing. They don't know what's going to happen if someone gets the coronavirus in Orlando and what the protocol is going to be for that. So there's just a ton of uncertainty from the player side of things. And then there's also a potential pay cut in the mix. Uh, so that's going to be really interesting, too. Um, the league made made a proposal to cut everyone's pay by 20%. The players made a counteroffer, I believe, on Monday. Um, the league had not responded to that until we're recording here on Thursday night. Um, I got word about an hour or two ago that the league responded. No details on the specifics of that response, but the way it was characterized to me was as pretty reasonable, pretty manageable, still some things that need to be negotiated, but it looks promising. Um, so whatever that means. Um, but it doesn't seem like a pay cut is going to be the main sticking point in returning. Um, I think that is going to be health and safety and whether or not this is actually a reasonable thing, not just for players, but for everyone involved in this traveling party to go down and, and participate in. And, and we actually do know some of the details of what the league is planning as far as testing goes, that we, that we've learned in a Jeff Reuter story um, that's publishing here on Thursday night, and you know what's interesting to me is right now there there's two things that stand out from the testing phase. First, players are going to be tested multiple times uh, back in their home markets before they depart for Orlando. Those tests are going to be tested to see if those players are positive for COVID nineteen, and also they will receive a test for the antibodies to see if the player had. COVID at some point in the past. Um, you know, still a lot of question marks over what that means uh, if you do test for the antibodies and whether you, that means that you are immune or not, that they, the science on that is not clear. 
But what we do know is that there are some after effects of having COVID-19. It's not as though um, it, it doesn't have any impact on the body. So those players would be um, would then be subject to more testing to make sure that there aren't any issues uh, with their heart or other air, you know, lungs or other areas where COVID-19 is known to cause damage internally. So that's interesting to me. The other part of it is if a player is tested according to the plan that the MLS is working off of right now, if a player is tested the day before a game and he tests positive, um, that player is then quarantined and can't play in the match, but the match is still played. So, Right. right now, there is no plan to quarantine a team if one of the players tests positive. Um, and, and I think, you know, that leads to some interesting questions because these players are all living together. You know, presumably they're going to be commuting together from the hotel to the training fields. Um, and then, and Maybe then there's, not. That, you know, that might not happen. They yeah, might have to take they, individual they, rental cars for all of them um, when they're doing individual training. Well, I, I, I will say, you know, Another, I mean, a major frustration that we've heard from multiple sources across multiple levels of the league is that as of right now, they cannot get a straight answer from the league about whether or not the hotel staff is going to be tested. And so there's a lot of frustration over the idea of why are we as players and staff getting tested in the home market brought to Orlando? It begins with a seven day quarantine where these players are essentially quarantined from each other. They're, they ha- they're yeah, supposed they're to stay in their, in their room. hotel rooms. Yeah. They stay in their hotel room. Food is brought to their hotel room. They're allowed to walk around the hotel, but only socially distanced from others. They can have individual training within the hotel grounds. While wearing a mask. While wearing a mask. And, and so they're saying, why are we quarantining for seven days from our teammates, staying in our hotel rooms, when the people who are bringing the food, who are cleaning the rooms, are living and... and um, and yeah, out they're going. They're coming state. and going. They're going out in Florida, which is pretty open. Correct. And who knows what they're coming into contact with? And then they're coming back and preparing their food, or maybe changing their sheets, um, and coming into contact with them in in various ways. Uh, and that's a very valid question. And the other part to it is, if those people are coming and going, why can't I come and go? And why can't my family come with? And to me, those are pretty valid questions. And I keep asking myself, Paul, if the NBA comes back and and they're talking about coming back in Orlando at the Wide World of Sports, just like MLS, and from everything that we've heard and everything that's been reported, there yes, there is plenty of room for for both to exist at the same time. But if the NBA is going going and doing this, do you think the hotel workers for the NBA would be able to come and go, and the players would agree to it in the NBA? I don't think there's any chance that that would happen. And I know that would be difficult to pull off. But it would mostly just be expensive to pull off, right? If we're being honest, if you pay the hotel workers enough, they'll probably be willing to stick around. And I don't know. It just all seems kind of that to me is is the thing that I can't really understand and wrap my head around. If you're going to not quarantine the hotel staff and the indications that I've gotten from a couple of different parties are that they're not going to. The MLSPA is expecting that that they're not going to. Um, then how can you quarantine the players? It it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, the bubble is not a bubble if people are coming. It's like biodome. You know, once that window's yeah. open and they're partying in the biodome, that experiment's over. Man, good biodome reference. Thank you. It's a great movie, Pauly Shore. I can't believe you've never seen that. We're gonna uh, we're, we'll talk about that later, Sam. You know, I there's one other thing I wanted to bring up, which I you know, Sam, I'm gonna drop this on you here because we I forgot to 
frankly, I forgot to bring it up in our pre-pod discussion. I spoke with a source earlier tonight who said something that um, was interesting, and I think you know will probably lead to some more questions for us to ask tomorrow when we're inevitably reporting a whole another round of this this version of this story. I'm um, taking tomorrow off. You can do it yourself. <laughs> um, Just kidding. What I what I've heard is you know this team is wondering, you know, they're saying that the cost for this Orlando tournament per team uh, could be around $2 million. And there yeah, is going to be super high. There there's is some no, belief. I that, don't think there's any way the league is making money on this. No, no. And there's some belief, at least within this team, that they could do things cheaper uh, flying to and from different markets. Uh, you know, t- chartering a jet for yeah. one day and flying in and flying out. And doing that, you know, fewer times than what would be necessary for a full regular season, um, mm-hmm. but that they could do it cheaper. And so I think that what's interesting to me is yeah. that the fact that the club is thinking that, you know, that kind of line of thinking means an owner is going to be hearing that, right? It's, it's, it's coming out of the owner's pockets. And well, so, you know, I'm interested to, to see what happens there. There's another element to this. And I talked to a really high-ranking club official on the business side yesterday, um, someone who's familiar with all the numbers and familiar with what the league is thinking and all that jazz. And, and I asked him, I was like, you know, is is it going to be cheaper to go to Orlando than to do it like how Major League Baseball is proposing to do it in individual markets and chartering between cities and all that stuff? And he's like, honestly, like, I think it probably, the difference would probably be somewhat negligible. Both would be really expensive, and I don't know which one would be more expensive, but I think they would be pretty close. That's basically what he said. And so if you're kind of gaming that out and you're like, okay, well, if the difference is negligible, why would MLS want to go to Orlando instead of just staying in the home markets and making life a lot easier for the players and the coaches and the staff that would otherwise have to travel? And there's a couple of factors to that answer. And one is ESPN and Disney and Disney owns the resort that MLS would be staying at. Disney owns the wide world of sports and ESPN would be heavily involved in the broadcasting of these matches. Uh, I wrote a story earlier this week about this. MLS's TV deal is coming up at the end of the 2022 season and the ratings, this is no secret to anyone listening to this podcast. I'm sure the ratings are terrible in MLS. It's about 250,000 was the 2019 regular season average, um, on ESPN. Um, the numbers on Fox were a little bit worse. Uh, Univision, I couldn't track down the exact figures, but I think they're in the same ballpark, uh, to compare the Univision numbers for Liga MX games in 2019, it was an average of, I think, 737,000. So you're 500,000 different there. You know, you're looking at like, I think the WNBA gets better ratings than that or about the same ratings as that. Um, and so you, if you're MLS and you're trying to negotiate a new TV deal in two years, that's going to be critically important to the league and your revenue, especially as expansion fees stop coming in. Um, and especially as the 2026 world cup looms, well, you can't really point to set to your ratings and say, Hey, these numbers justify a big increase on the $90 million that we're getting a year from American broadcast partners. You can't cause they're not right. They're not good enough. So how do you maybe juice it and goose it in such a way that you can justify that big increase? Well, one of those ways is being a good partner, right? And sit looking and going through a crisis like we're currently going through around the entire world with COVID-19 and this pandemic. 
and going to ESPN and being proactive with them and working closely with them and saying, yeah, we're going to try and get back as fast as possible to give you this good inventory. Um, because from what I've heard, pretty much all of these games are going to be nationally broadcast and Fox and Univision will have some of them. Um, but ESPN will have a lot of them and working with them and saying, we're a good partner. We're willing to do things for you, even in difficult times to help you out. And the other part is all of the local TV deals, none of them run past the 2022 season. And that's by MLS's directive. And the reason for that is to give the league control. So if it wants to package all of the games together in some sort of national deal, and that would be a mix of linear and digital and all of that stuff, it has the flexibility to do so. And that's a lot of volume. And you know what this tournament would be? It's a lot of volume. It's a good kind of preview and, and maybe trial run for that. Um, so that's that's a real element of this Orlando thing, and I don't think that should be lost. We will get back to Paul and Sam discussing this Orlando thing in just a moment. But first, this is Taylor from the Total Soccer Show jumping in to let you know that this episode of Allocation Disorder is brought to you by the Black Tux, where you can find your perfect fit without leaving home for free. Uh, you don't even have to go all the way to Orlando. You can do it right from the comfort of your own home. That's because the Black Tux has an easy online ordering process that brings your suit or tuxedo straight to you, which is very convenient. I have to say the idea of getting fitted for a tuxedo or a suit in the Orlando summer weather seems uh, unpleasant slightly. Not saying that MLS players will have to do that, but maybe they want to be fancy for their time or potential time in Florida. Uh, and it should be noted that the Black Tux uses 100% merino wool in their suiting, 100% cotton for their shirts, and real leather for their shoes. No patent leather in there, just real leather. Uh, they have options for individuals or groups, and they also have the great sizing structure that basically allows you to get the exact right fit without having to have a measuring tape and a tailor on hand. Uh, I have a tailor on hand, but it's a different type of tailor. It's me, not a T-A-I-L-O-R. So if you want your wedding or special event to be remembered for the right reasons, you can order your suit or tuxedo at theblacktux.com and enjoy 10% off with the code SOCCER. That's theblacktux.com, code SOCCER for 10% off your purchase. The Black Tux, formal wear for the moment. For sure. For sure. And, you know, we should talk about the TV side of things. We saw some interesting game times. Uh, proposed in this document that that Jeff reported yeah. about 9 a.m., 8 p.m., and 10 p.m., all Eastern times. Obviously, that's because I think it was of... 10.30, 10.30 p.m. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's because of the heat in Orlando, um, which in the yeah. middle of summer is going to be overwhelming. And I actually feel bad for the teams that have those 9 a.m. games because the second half is going to be absolutely brutal um, in those games when you start getting toward... You know, 11, 11.30 a.m. in Orlando in the middle of summer, it, it's going to be very difficult toward the back end of those games for guys who have been on the field for all uh, all 90 minutes. Um, but it, it yeah, also will some, have some extra subs, too. There's going to yeah, be five, five, five subs, subs available, and 23 players total will dress up from 18. But I think it's 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 also interesting for the, for the discussion of TV. Um, you know, those aren't great night time slots. The 8 p.m. is prime time. That's great. The 10.30 slot... Probably going to be West, Western, Western that'll teams, be Western right? Conference that teams. That 9 a.m. Yeah. slot, though, I actually kind of like it. You know, I think it. Yeah. I think that that MLS slot on the weekend. MLS with a cup of coffee? I yeah, love it, that. It, it kind of fills the void of the Premier League. And so, um, you know, I, I think it, you know, I actually think from that side of it, you're seeing how they can fill these slots and, and pull in some eyeballs of people that have sports habits that they want to get back to. You know, I still don't think it's going to look great visually playing on the, those fields at Disney. Um, the fields, by the way, are immaculate. They're great 
fields. They do a fantastic job there. But, you know, what the presentation will look like, I'm not so sure. Um, but I, I, you know, as weird as those time slots seem, you can see why this is so attractive for ESPN to to be able to get three games a day in those time slots and potentially yeah, and they might not eyeballs. get all three. They might not get all three of them. But yeah, no, it is going to be really interesting from that perspective. And I imagine they'll dress the broadcast up in some way. I was talking to somebody who works pretty closely on this side of things, and he mentioned an idea to me of you know having maybe having MLS players from so say you know LAFC is playing Orlando City right in a game although that wouldn't happen because they're from opposite conferences let's say lafc and the galaxy are playing each other right you could have carlos vela and you could have diego rossi each pick out a playlist 20 minutes or so long and those get played in the first half and then you could have chicharito and sebastian legit have playlists in the second half and you could play them in the stadium and just kind of have them at low volume <laughs> and, and play them during the broadcast. And I, I was like, that's kind of a cool idea. I wouldn't hate that. Um, but you know, so they'll, they'll do some interesting things. I would imagine they'll be miking a lot of different people up. They'll probably have a lot of field mics. Maybe they'll pipe in crowd noise. I would kind of be against that personally. I feel like that would feel weird. Um, and unnatural, like, we know there aren't fans there, you know, you're not fooling anybody, <laughs> but who knows? There, there will be some bells and whistles attached, I'm sure. But yeah, the broadcast side is going to be interesting. And I mentioned um, Carlos Villa and Chicharito, which I think brings me to my next point here, Paul, in all of this discussion, um, which is that some of these star players are not super into this idea and maybe even vehemently opposed to how it's currently constructed. And I do want to make clear that everything that we've been talking about is just the working plan. This isn't set in stone, right? It's It's been distributed to clubs, but all of it could theoretically change for the most part, um, at least in terms of the nitty-gritty details. The, the, the broad outlines are probably going to stay the same. But um, getting back to my point, you know, these, these big stars, and, and we've heard guys like Vela, guys like Nani in Orlando, which we'll talk more about in a second, um, Chicharito, um, are pretty strongly against this idea. Um, Alejandro Bedoya from the Philadelphia Union came out on the record on ESPN's Taylor Twelman, his his show, yesterday on, on Wednesday, and was talking about how this is like a luxurious prison, and they have to go out in the yard, and they're cooped up all day, and, and he, he didn't sound too into the idea. So there's a real, from, from the big stars that matter for MLS, um, in terms of quality of play and in terms of product on the field, um, they might not be that into this thing. And that could be a huge, huge problem for this entire idea. Yeah, there are probably like three names that are known immediately worldwide in MLS right now. And it's Carlos Vela, Chicharito, and Nani. <laughs> you know? Um, Pretty much. So to not have those three players on board would be, you know, a poison pill. Uh, you need to have them on board, not just on board to go and play, but um, to be bought in on on playing well. Um, obviously Orlando city put out a statement from Nani where he said he didn't talk to us, uh, on or off the record. We can confirm that. Um, he said he will be on board if, if there is a plan that, that puts player and staff safety for, first and foremost, uh, which sounds, you know, reasonable. Yeah. Um, and that's what we're hearing from a lot of players is that they would like to play. It's just like they want to play under the right circumstances and they don't really feel that these are the right ones mostly because they don't have any info because their questions haven't been answered yet. Yeah. I mean, you know, what's interesting is when we were reporting on the CBA negotiations, uh, way back when a few months ago, 
uh, a, a world like a away, ago, a it? world and lifetime away from where we are now. Um, one of the big points we brought up is the difference between the NBA negotiating table and MLS negotiating table. Oftentimes, the bargaining committee, yeah. the executive board of MLS, is made up of you know kind of journeyman MLS players who have been around for a lifetime. Yeah, it's the and, American middle class lifer. Yeah. And and you lose some leverage there, right? You can the owners can strike a different tone at the at the table when talks got to the table because you know they didn't have to in the last round of negotiations, for example, they didn't have to sit down and look at Kaká and and say something, right? They were looking at you know Tally Hall. Um, this time around, you know, you're talking to um, guys like you know Jeff Laurentowitz and not guys like Joseph Martinez. Yeah. So. Yeah. What's striking here, though, is that, you know, the players, the star players, if they are, um, you know, if they are, if it does get to a point where they're vocal with the league directly or where that is the final holdup, I mean, that's a significant publicly. Yeah, absolutely. Publicly, you know, that is the power of LeBron James at the negotiating table, Chris Paul. And, And that is a dynamic that MLS has never had to deal with before. They're lucky that that yeah. Zlatan is playing at AC Milan. <laughs> I thought about I thought about that today. What would Zlatan be saying about this? Because he would be talking mad, you know what about this plan? Like he, he, I mean, like I feel like I don't know if this is out there. He refused to go to the All Star Game in Atlanta in 2018 because the league wouldn't pay him extra money to go, and he was like, "No, I'm not going," and he just didn't go. And so what would he be thinking about this plan? <laughs> and what would he be saying about it? I I mean, man, we missed out on some good theater. And I'm sure Wayne Rooney, who wasn't shy in front of the microphones, I'm sure he would have some thoughts too. Yeah. I mean, I think Wayne Rooney might be game for getting holed up with his teammates in a hotel for a while. I don't know how, how well he'd do with the social distancing part of things. But, <laughs> you know, Zlatan, I just, you know, there are, there are moments where you wish for those vocal stars right and and for a willingness to come out and say how you really feel and um you know i think i think by the way i think it's totally this isn't outlandish behavior this isn't weird it's not no wrong i mean his wife is pregnant she's like 20 weeks pregnant and so you're asking him to go for two months and paul you can educate me here but you know if she's 20 weeks pregnant now and they go to Orlando by June 8th. What is that? Three weeks from now. So she'd be 23 when they leave. And he's down there for 10 weeks. And it's going to be 30, 33 when he gets back. That's that's damn far along. Yeah. You know? Like, that, I mean, is, that's is getting you towards full that? term and, and toward where, where, where anything can happen. Especially, by the way, right now during the time of COVID, there are some indications that if somebody gets COVID when they're pregnant, there's a possibility that it could lead to early labor. You know, that's that that is a real discussion that's ongoing about people who are pregnant who get COVID. So you have to add that to the mix, too. You know, what if you leave and there's a situation where there's an emergency labor early on? I mean, the fear, you know, I, I mean, I came off the road of the Gold Cup, I think I think, you know, maybe a month ahead of the due date just to be safe. So, yeah. I got to cover the Gold Cup final because of that. So shout out to you and your wife and your baby. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Is that the first shout out to Jane on this show? It might be. Um, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Jane. Um, But yeah, I mean, these are real issues. And, and, you know, I've, I've, I've 
stupidly probably argued with people on Twitter about this idea of like, oh, you know, there are a lot of jobs where people leave home and go to a hotel. Not right now, man. There are not a lot of jobs where people are leaving home and going and living in a hotel for two and a half months during a global pandemic. The There are not a lot of people on the road traveling for work. And there, you know, are, trust, some, there are some, right? sure, but, of course, but that's yeah. part, uh, usually that's part of the job description ahead of time. You know, you, exactly. the, the people were trying to compare it to the World Cup. Guess what, man? Families come to the World Cup when you're on the when you're at the World Cup. Yeah, this is. And if they I mean, don't, these are extraordinary home. times. You know, these are so, extraordinary times. But this is an above and beyond situation that MLS is asking right. their players to to go for, while also taking a pay cut. And I and I want to. And the reason I want to emphasize that is we we're kind of joking about Zlatan and some of his outlandish behavior and like how much we wish. But like this is, I just think it's like, yeah. Well, yes, I would have liked Zlatan's opinion because it would have been gold. But I think that, you know, I do want to emphasize that I think that these are very reasonable concerns that these players have. And and frankly, that there just aren't enough answers to the questions yet from the league. And, um, you know, ultimately, I think that I think through all of our conversations so far, Sam, we haven't walked away from this being like, oh, this is this is going to happen July 3rd. You know, I think there's going to have to be some movement yeah. in the next couple in the next week or so that's. That's significant enough to um, to change a lot of minds. I mean, I don't like they need to answer the questions, first of all. And here's how I think it's going to happen. OK, Paul. And we've talked a lot. We've poked a lot of holes in this plan. We've talked a lot about why we think it might not happen. And by the way, that I just I wanted to point this out earlier. So rewinding a little bit for a second, the the Jeff Reuter story that we mentioned, um, you know, he had that info before the players did. Um, which is kind of shows you a little bit, illustrates a little bit about what's going on here in terms of the communication. So, you know, we've poked a lot of holes in this, but I, I think it would be instructive to talk about why this might happen, even if you don't necessarily believe that. Um, we can play a little devil's advocate, right? And so here's kind of the case for it. I think, right? MLS wants to get back. They want that TV exposure. They want all of that stuff. But looming over everything, and we talked about this last week, but I'll repeat myself, is the CBA and the fact that it's not ratified and the fact that the owners, if they wanted to, could go nuclear and lock the players out, which means no pay. And this is important, no health insurance for them or their families, presumably, right? Unless they have another way to get it. That's huge during a global pandemic. And I don't think they would go to that step because that would be, man, that would be a bad look, right? But um, these guys aren't MLB players. They're not NBA players. They don't have millions in the bank. They don't have hundreds of thousands in the bank. They need to be paid, right? And from what I've been told, the strike fund that the union built still exists. But who knows how far that would go, right? Um, and so I think at the end of the day, they're going to have a choice. And I think that choice is going to be Take whatever pay cut they're negotiating now and go play in Orlando or decline to go play in Orlando and get slapped with a big fat pay cut that the owners impose on them. Um, and I believe from what I understand, I believe I'm not a lawyer, but I believe there's a legal way for them to do that um, because basically they could claim the the players are breaching their contracts. And that would probably lead to a legal fight and on and on. But that's, I think, going to be the choice at the end of the day. And I think that will motivate the players to go back and do this Orlando plan. And maybe not all of them go. Maybe you have some high-profile holdouts because for these big stars who do have millions in the bank, what's the upside? What's the upside for a Carlos Vela, right? You miss five regular season games. 
okay, you can live with that. You know, you stay with your, your family and your pregnant wife at home. And, you know, if you go, the best case scenario for you is you've like, don't get hurt, you know? So maybe, maybe you miss out on that, but I think, I, I don't know. I keep coming back to that idea and I keep thinking that this is going to happen. I think it's going to be messy and I think it's going to be a real messy path to get there. Um, I was talking to, to somebody, you know, on the player side of things today and we were kind of bouncing theories back and forth. And I, I kind of said, you know, it, this feels like the league is going to return your answer, return the answers to those questions. They're going to get all their ducks in a row regarding the plan. And then they're going to re- answer your questions and they'll be like, we have this plan. We've answered your questions. You need to make a decision within 24 hours, something like that. And the person that I was talking to was like, that's a real thing that the players are talking about. And that's a real feeling that they have in terms of that being a possibility, which would be, I mean, in terms of negotiating strategy, probably pretty good. Um, Whether or not it's moral or not, uh, that's a different question, but it's going to be really interesting. And all of those reasons, I think that's at the end of the day, I think this thing's going to happen. So Sam thinks this thing is going to happen, uh, but if maybe a certain something is not happening for you, then today's sponsor might be of use. Today's episode of Allocation Disorder is brought to you by Roman. Uh, if you had to guess on average how long people wait to see a doctor in major American cities, you might think maybe a couple weeks, you might think they have to wait on hold for at least an hour, uh, but in actuality, it's 29 days, it's almost a month. And when you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment quickly, and I would guess discreetly, that's where Roman have you covered. They've spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a real licensed doctor, not a fake uh, unlicensed doctor. You don't want that. And they do it all from the comfort of your own home. Rowan makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. You can just grab a phone or computer. You complete a free online visit. You'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. That means you don't have to go to Orlando and live there for a month waiting for the appointment. And really, nobody wants to do that. Instead, you can wait from the comfort of your home in the AC, not in the Orlando weather. Uh, And if the doctor decides treatment is right for you, then Roman's Pharmacy will ship it to, uh, directly to your door with free two-day shipping. So basically, you don't even have to leave your home. You get treatment and you get on your way. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com slash TSS for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash TSS for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Thank you very much to Get Roman for sponsoring today's episode. I promise I will stop interrupting. Instead, I'll just let Paul and Sam talk about Orlando things. Yeah, well, I think there has to be a natural skepticism around the idea that typically the money wins out, right? The the big money, uh, the employers, they usually win these these deals, and and I don't think, you know, that's always been the voice in the back of my head. You know me, this entire time I've been like, sports aren't coming back this year, you know, and now that seems to be changing as as we're reopening the country and governors are saying that you can have sports with no fans in the stands, you know, I'm, I'm really interested to see what it's going to look like on a NFL Sunday in Pittsburgh. If you tell fans they can't go into the stadium, what those parking lots look like and those bars look like, like it's going to be any better. Um, yeah, I picked Pittsburgh as a random example, but like, you know, I, I, I get that idea that, you know, typically um, the employers win. And, and so I, I understand that. I think it's worth pointing out um, something from Jeff's story um, or for at least from the document that um, that Jeff was able to acquire um, that I thought was really interesting. And that is that um, the delegation size for teams includes a maximum of 30 players. And it also says that 
Um, the players who can't come are injured players, season-ending injuries like Joseph Martinez, um, as an example, but also those who decline participation in the competition due to a high risk of severe illness as approved by a club medical officer. So it's they are writing in this um, possibility. And I think that but it has to be approved by a club medical officer. Yeah, I'm right? interested to, to see real, what that You have means. to have a real doctor's note, essentially. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I just I, I'm interested to see what that how that'll be interpreted. And and um, and, and I don't I mean, I don't see a way that you can force a player to go if they don't want to go. But, you know, that I think that leads to some of these ideas of like players saying, you know, might be worth me missing five games to, to feel safe. Yeah, feel- I just I just think the players that decline to go without that doctor's note, they don't get paid. And who knows what happens to their contract, right? So, I mean, that'll be a choice that everyone gets to make. Um, and I would imagine there will be at least a few players that make that choice and decide to not go. But I think the vast majority will. I mean, I guess I, I, this is getting a little bit speculative, Sam. It's tough to, to really say it with conviction. But like, I've been speculating for like 15 minutes, so don't worry about what it. About, what, what would you do? You know, I mean, I guess, I guess we can put it to you in this way. You know, <laughs> How much you, money am I making? What's my life situation? Yeah, let's, let's, let's you got, give you, you got a, a, you got you know, lay out a scenario. For you're me. not a designated player. We know that for sure. Um, wow. You know, you're you're probably more Aaron Long Portland Timbers than Aaron Long New York Red Bulls. But you know, oh we'll, we'll put you in that two hundred fifty thousand dollar range. It's probably this around so the median. Dis- this is so disrespectful. The me- <laughs> you are fueling my motivation for the, the next month, right? The now. median salary of an MLS team. Like, uh, let's put you there, right? That I mean, that the number is probably closer to three hundred thousand. But yeah, make so me make me the replacement player. You're you're just the typical MLS guy, right? Yeah. You have a you have a, a young kid at home and a pregnant wife, and you're having to make a decision. But you're making good money. You're making six figures. Um, yeah, where, but where, I still which way are you voting? I'm not that. Where, where I'm not saying? that comfortable. Um, I got a pregnant wife and a young kid, and yeah, man, I think if my wife's pregnant, I think that's and like unless she's like just barely pregnant, and even then, like if she's any any length along in her term then like I don't really think I could go, especially if there's a young kid at home that she would have to be running around after. Um, so, yeah, I, mean, that's I, the hard I think thing, right? that would make it kind of a pretty easy decision, honestly. If you took a pregnant wife out of the equation, then I would have to think more about it, right? But, um, you know, and that's that's where the fault lines are on this. The young single guys, they're not the ones that are going to be saying no, right? It's the guys with families, and the guys who are married, and the guys who have different life situations like that, and just so another example of the the married bros bringing down the single guys, you know. Yeah, I guess kind of weird language to use there, but you know, whatever, we can roll with it, Paul. Well, I was that was a dad joke, pretty much. <laughs> for being honest, there has to be room for dad um, jokes. Yeah, whatever, disorder. whatever you want to call it. It's fine. Whatever you want to call it. Whatever you want to call it. But yeah, so I don't know. That's why I say if you put a gun to my head, um, I think Orlando is going to happen. But I'll flip it. Your current life situation, you have a young baby girl at home. Um, would you go? No. I, I just... I No. I mean, we've already had this talk regarding the athletic. And you, if, if we were to so cover you would, it... So you would give up two months of paychecks? Yeah. I mean, it just, it, it, it's just... And really no guarantee hard. that you would get re-signed when you come back? I mean, the, at the end of the day, like at a certain point in your life, I mean, it would it would depend on the buy in that you have from your spouse. I, I, I would put the decision, you know, 50 50 
between you and your wife. Like if your wife believes she can take care of a kid for 10 weeks on her own, if it's just one kid and that seems manageable, maybe she doesn't have a job or she, um, you know, is working part time and she thinks she can do it. That factors in too. you know, in my situation, my wife works full time. So, you know, if my leaving would mean that my daughter would have to go to daycare. And right now, there's no guarantee that that daycare is safe. We know that, you know, kids pretty much seem to not be getting COVID, but there are these, this new complicated disease that's coming out of New York city um, where there've been a few hundred cases now that, that it impacts children in different ways. There's also the fear. um, And we talk about this all the time in my house of, of the baby getting sick from something else at daycare Sure. And then you have to go to a hospital where you're running into many other sick people. And then that puts me at risk. Um, Yeah. So there's a million factors. So yeah, you probably wouldn't go. It sounds like. Yeah. I just think that it would be really difficult. It would be really difficult to justify the stress that it would put on my family. Mm -hmm. And if I felt like I had leverage to negotiate that that didn't happen, I would utilize it to the very nth degree. And I think that that's sure. just as effective as saying you're not going to go is saying we're going to have to put up a real fight against this and and put yeah. the and try to flip that power against the league and say you know you cannot leverage our jobs against our health. And and that's ultimately what yeah. the league would have yeah. to do. Yep. The uh, MLSPA staff members are going to be earning their paychecks through this because this is like this is real stuff right here. This is very important, and I think kind of the scenario that that you just laid out and the one that you laid out for me before that, it's illustrative, right? These are the choices that these people, and it's not just players, by the way. I want to be clear on that because I th- I feel like the other things get the other parties get lost. It's coaches, it's athletic trainers, it's team administrators, it's a PR person, it's a content person from every club. Um, you know, you're talking about, I think the minimum was what, 16 or 17 staffers that have to go mm-hmm. to Orlando. Um, and so when you multiply that by 26, I mean, that's, you're talking about, I think 400 or so people, it's, it's, right? It's 1200 um, so, people total, 26 clubs, 46 club delegates. So you're talking about 1,200 right. people and across that's, the league. And that's doesn't, that doesn't include referees. That doesn't include league people. That doesn't include broadcast people. So and, and there are a lot of people involved in this that aren't players that don't really have a choice, right? Like they have to go or maybe they get fired, right? And they're making, in a lot of these cases, you know, the, the videographer for FC Cincinnati or Orlando City, they're making a lot less money than your average MLS player, right? And so this is real for them, too. And they're going away from their families in some cases too. So this is affecting a lot of different people. And I mean, if it happens, hopefully it's safe. You know, that's, that's the one thing I'll keep hammering on. Hopefully it's safe if it happens. Um, and you know, I don't know. I think that's, yeah, I, I don't think, know what else you got. I think that's about all I have to say on it pretty much. I think the one thing is interesting. It's like, especially for me, like I've been on here pretty vocal that I don't think this should happen. And, you know, I also would say, like, there's this misperception out there that we're like sports journalists are rooting against sports coming back. And I think it's there because we have a lot of conversations with people whose lives are being directly impacted. And so, you know, we are looking at it from that angle. It's part of the reporting process, all of that. Like, of course, we want 
sports to come back. Of course, we want Major League Soccer to be back it's, out on the it's field. It's better for our jobs if the games come back right. and, by a lot. And, <laughs> Trust me. You know, I think that, you know, if these games do happen, we're going to cover the heck out of them. And we're going to um, certainly, like, if the players agree to do it and are happy doing it, we're going to enjoy the games and be glad to be watching soccer and writing about soccer. I mean, Sam, you've been just nonstop, nonstop on, on the news. We've all been trying to keep up with everything. And, and I think, you know, just the other day, you're saying I mean, you want a break from covering the news side of it, right? You, you know, there, there's a fun that was aspect just today, to our jobs. Paul. That was just today. So much has happened today. Yeah. That was this morning. I'm like, <laughs> I just want them to make up their damn minds about this Orlando thing. Cause man, I'm sick of covering the back. And forth about it. Yeah. So, I mean, I, we all want a good resolution to this. I just think, um, you know, the the hope is that the resolution is one, yeah, like you said, where everyone's safe and everyone's happy with where it lands. Yeah, and who knows? Who knows if we'll get there? I don't think everyone will be happy with anything. Um, and but, Sam, before you know, we, we sign off on this episode, because yeah, I know we're getting close yeah. to that, I feel like I, we... I do, want, I do need one other... I have to hit one other big topic before we go. We have to. It's very important. We have to. Are, I think, are we on the same page? I, we, I, think, I hope so. Okay, it's something that made me very yappy earlier yeah that's that's it see okay there's always room for dad jokes on this show oh man that one i thought was good you know some people were disagreeing with that opinion but you know whatever hey um so cincinnati fc cincinnati officially hired yop stom um former dutch international legendary defender in his day man united Dutch international, a lot of different clubs. He actually was the center back partner to Frank De Boer in the 1998 World Cup semifinals for Holland, um, which they lost to Brazil. Um, oddly enough, if you told them 22 years ago when that was happening that they would be coaching an MLS for Cincinnati and Atlanta, they probably would have slapped you in the face. But hey, here we are. World works in mysterious ways. So FC Cincinnati, they officially announced with their press release and they did a nice little video and all that stuff. Unfortunately... Um, and you know, honest mistake happens to the best of us. Uh, the, the picture that they put out in their tweet, uh, with the official announcement was not of Yop Stom. It was of a, another Dutch coach who looks a little bit like Yop Stom and Getty images got confused and thought it was Yop Stom and put that in their caption of this particular photo, <laughs> but it was not Yop Stom <laughs> and Twitter kind of took off and, uh, it brightened my afternoon, Paul, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, MLS, man. It was MLS at its best. It was... Uh... And other MLS teams got in on the action online. Um, I think my favorite one was um, the Union. Philadelphia Union kind of tweeted out. They tweeted out something, uh, welcome Yop or something along those lines, and just had a picture of Pitbull, who, like Yop, is, you know, a bald guy with a similar complexion. So, and is also one of your um, heroes. Yeah, Dale, baby. Shout out to Pitbull, Naperville Rib Fest 2018, a night we will never forget. <laughs> well, well, I think uh, I think that's as good a note to end on, on at any. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for listening. I know it's been a lot of Orlando talk. Um, you know, we have to take care of Paul here in his hometown. So we did it for him. Um, hopefully everyone listening enjoyed. Uh, and we'll be back next week, I'm sure. Uh, with a lot more news for you regarding MLS and a potential return to play. Until then, this has been Allocation Disorder. I'm Sam Stasekul. He's Paul Tenorio. Thanks for tuning in.